0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. Uh, I'm Mark Favorite, and with me again as always is Matt Quest. Hello. Uh, today, our guest hosts are the Rotoscopers, Mason Smith. Yeah. And then joining us joining us later in the show will be Morgan Stradling, and I'm just gonna screw up her name now and probably again later, uh, and I can I can guarantee that uh, Chelsea Robson. Rob- Robson. Robson. There you go. <laughs> uh, um. This podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature an animated series or film from the the past or present. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it is up for discussion with us. Uh, So to kind of explain your podcast, Mason, why the Rotoscopers and what do you guys do on your animation podcast (laughs) compared to us?
1: Cool. Why the Rotoscopers? Like I said earlier, that's definitely one of our frequently asked questions for the podcast. (laughs) So the rotoscopers, uh, rotoscoping for anyone who knows uh, about traditional two D animation and, and not even traditional, like it's kind of an archaic technique. Rotoscoping is where you take a uh, live footage of an actor uh, acting out of action. Um, they take the they take the, the film strip and they trace over it on these glass panes. So rotoscoping is basically tracing the action of a live of a live actor and translating that movement into your uh, into your animated film. Um, there are a lot of old films. Um, there's a uh, Fire and Ice, Anastasia, a lot of Don Blue films, um, and others that that use rotoscoping um, to get that super realistic movement. Um, so I'm not advocating or or uh, you know condoning rotoscoping as a really as a awesome animation technique. But we chose that name because uh, we're not technically animators on the show. Uh, I myself am an animation student, uh, hopefully getting into the uh, BYU's um, animation program uh, sometime in the summer. And uh, Morgan is uh, my other hosts, Morgan and Chelsea. Um, they're in marketing and uh, music and entertainment, respectively. But we're all animation fans, and so we don't create the animation, but we try try to trace over all the all the awesome, funny, fun, sometimes totally nerdy details of animated films. Um, and we discuss them uh, for the pleasure of our audience who loves to discuss the, you know, the little details of animation as well. <laughs> so that's that's why we, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but <laughs> uh, that's why we chose Rotoscopers. Um, so, yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, and definitely if you guys like our podcast and if you like animation at all, you'll definitely like the Rotoscopers too. Listen listened to, I think almost... Two thirds of the episodes now, and you guys have a great show and good chemistry going on. So, yeah, if you if you like our show, you you will like theirs as well. So definitely check them out.
2: Yeah, totally thanks. awesome.
0: Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And then from that, we're gonna get into the new releases this week that came out on Blu-ray and DVD, and much of these we kind of talked about previously in our, our Xerox era episode. Uh, there was the Aristocats, the Rescuers, and the Rescuers Down Under. Double feature Blu-ray, Pocahontas, Pocahontas Two: Journey to a New World, po- yeah, double feature Blu-ray, and Lady and the Tramp Two: Scamp's Adventure, and the Tigger Movie Blu-ray. Those are all from Disney on um, this past week, so they, they were pretty busy putting stuff out. And then, yeah, yeah, so definitely set you back a little bit if you wanted to add all these animated Disney movies to your your collection. Uh, out of out of these, I would have to say, I think, I think. The Rescuers Down Under would be my favorite out of all these movies. Uh, but, because uh, I remember when I watched The Aristocats when I was younger, I didn't really get into it all that much. But you can kind of see like some of the stuff in these movies, how the rotoscoping, I mean, not yeah, I have rotoscoping on the mind from you guys. The, the the Xerox era, you can, it looks just as good on the Blu-ray and they didn't try to like clean up at all. It, it looks true to the same way that we've seen it before. Uh, there's some... There's, as with Disney, always their Blu-rays look gorgeous. The animation always looks great. Uh, on the Aristocats Blu-ray, they have a lost opening that they did where uh, Robert Sherman actually explains that they had done the special song for the opening with the butler and the maid, and the maid actually got cut out of the movie. So that's pretty cool to, to watch that. You can see it down as storyboards. And it's funny because in some of the storyboards, you can see the character design for the butler looked one way, and then, like, one, some of the other ones, he looks completely different. He's, like, in the movie, he's, like, really tall and skinny. And then in the in the Southern version, he's, like, really short, stumpy, and fat. So it's interesting how they went from those two completely different variations of the same character. Uh, and then there's, there's music videos on there, which are not done by Disney Channel actors. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, another deleted song from the movie. <laughs> There's a a cool thing on there about the Sherman Brothers doing the songs for the film. And if you guys haven't checked it out before, there's a documentary about the Sherman Brothers, which I believe might still be on Netflix Instant, which if you're a fan of the music from Disney films, definitely check that out. It's pretty good. Um, And there's The Great Cat Family excerpt, which is from one of the Walt Disney specials that they did on TV and hosted by Walt Disney and... uh, Shows it was like one of those animated specials they did where it's talking about the uh, kingdom of like of cats and like about lions and tigers and then like the house cat and whatnot. So that's kind of a cool thing to see that on here. And then there's a, a bonus short with uh mini and figaro, so that's cool that that's added on there as well. Um, and then pocahontas they decided to put the both the first movie and the second movie because that's the only way anyone's going to buy the second movie, yeah. There you go on um, the same blur, hey. And John Smith doesn't even get to be on the cover, like what the heck is that? They took him off. Pocahontas is on the cover twice, John oh. Smith is not on it. Uh, what? Yeah, I don't get that. If it weren't for
1: John Smith, she wouldn't even have those if pro- She wouldn't even have the problems that drove the movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's he's on the back, but he gets relegated to the back. Uh, what about John
1: Rolfe?
0: John Rolfe is on the front. What?
1: Oh, yeah. that's right. I I saw it at the BYU bookstore. Yeah, that's right. John Rolfe is on the front, but John Smith isn't.
0: Yeah. I don't. That's that's a weird thing, uh, and then Pocahontas looks awesome on Blu-ray with all the colors and the all of colors of the wind. Um, yeah, I'm
2: looking forward to seeing that on Blu-ray. That's probably one of the only ones yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing on Blu-ray. Uh, there's not
0: there's not, not really. The Tigger
2: movie, <laughs> uh, the Tigger movie maybe. maybe.
0: There's not really that many special features on this. Do they have uh, the cartoon short for Little Hiawatha, which is cool? Uh, it talks about how there's another thing on there about. Uh, how drawing inspiration the lost story of Hiawatha, where Disney had actually developed and enti- was going to develop an entire animated film about the legend of Hiawatha, because he had been really into that when he went to school, and ended up getting shelved because of the- Disney wasn't really financially doing as well at the time when they were doing it, so he had to shelve some ideas. This was before Cinderella came out, so they never made it, but they ended up using some of the of the um, Scutches and whatnot—they had put together for Hiawatha and using those for Pocahontas. So it's cool that those still did get to get used for in some form, and that that work did get to see get to be seen. Uh, and then there's a deleted song on there, which is called "If I Never Knew You." Which I guess when they re-released this on DVD a few years back, they actually reinserted it into the film, but it's not actually in the film again on the Blu-ray.
1: Yeah, that's the song where that they sing together when John Smith is in prison, right? Yeah, when
0: he's all when he's tied up to the post in one of the right. the teepees, which I don't th- think that they should have deleted it out there because one of the, they talk about it on there with the commentary is that they feel like it took a lot of the heart out of that part of the movie, mm-hmm. and they only took it out because kids were getting bored during that part, but all the adults liked it from the test screenings they did. Uh, I I thought it was a good song, and they end up using like a like a poppy version of it in the. Yeah the credits to the the movie so you've you've, uh, you've heard the song before <laughs> and they still got to use it that way but uh and then there's there's a feature about the music of pocahontas you can see alan Menken talking about putting together the music for the movie so that's pretty cool if you're a fan of alan Menken, and if you're a fan if you're like the same age as all of us he did all the basically did all the music for all of the disney movies that we grew up with like aladdin and beauty and the beast and all of those. And then there's an audio commentary on the film, which I didn't get a chance to listen to yet, but looking forward to listening to that too. And then there's deleted scenes from the movie too. So That's Pocahontas. Oh, and I when I watched Pocahontas too, this was the first time I'd ever watched it, and I wish I hadn't watched it. <laughs> because it, like it makes the first movie so, feel so much cheaper than, than it should. When you watch it, it, I don't know, it just made me... It made the first film not feel as good anymore because of the added this added on storyline of the second movie because at at the end of the first movie I'm assuming everyone's seen Pocahontas by now uh Governor Radcliffe, you know like he gets taken into custody, and they're like you know he, you're assuming he's going to go back to England and pay for his crimes that he did here in the new world, and that John Smith is going to go back and be okay and everything and whatnot, and then the second movie starts off. And John Smith is on the run because apparently he was the one that did all this stuff wrong in the new world. And he's going to be uh, going to prison and whatnot. And Governor Radcliffe, Radcliffe wants him dead, right? Yeah. And Governor Radcliffe is, again, the bad guy in the second one because the king believed him over everybody else' story from the first movie. So apparently he believed one person over everybody else that was telling the same exact story. But, and then, and then they kind of completely like this. I know that, it's loosely based on like real life uh real life story of Pocahontas obviously po- disney really detracted from what actually happened with Pocahontas and John Smith in real life because John Smith was way way older than Pocahontas in real life and there's no kind of any love affair with them and she was i think like 12 or like 14 when they actually met each other but yeah and the, like the second movie yeah. like they kind of they have John Smith in there and he kind of shows up at the end and like, oh, yeah. I guess we're not going to be together anymore. We were, we were once on the same path, but now we're not. So, whatever. Go be on your, go get your yeah. ship that the king just gave you, yeah. and That's go be fair. on your merry way. Yeah, but,
1: yeah I, I remember seeing *Pocahontas* too, and I just couldn't stomach it, man. And then,
0: and then it was it was made straight for DVD because it even says Walt Disney Home enter, Entertainment at the beginning right. presents. Right. And so the animation isn't as good as it was for the first one because it doesn't have that big of a budget. But yeah, I mean, it's it's worth buying alone just for the first film if you if you like Pocahontas. That's one of those many films that came out like around the time of Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. So definitely, if you like that, check that out. Uh, and then the next one was the Rescuers and the Rescuers Down Under double feature Blu-ray, which I think both of these. I like that they double feature. They put these on the one thing so you could save money by not having to buy two. But this is the one time I think that they could have actually released both of these separately because they're both their own films, they both were actually released in theaters, one of the few Disney sequels to an animated film that they did that then also got released in a theater and wasn't just straight to DVD. And what's cool is that you can see how great the Xerox uh, animation looks on the first film, but then you go to the the second film, and this is like the first film they really blended in computer-generated imagery, and it was the first film that Pixar actually worked on with Disney, and like we were, we'll be talking about a little bit, Brenda Chapman Worked on this film too. Joe Rampt worked on it, so I think out of the two films, I, I did like *The Rescuers Down Under* more. And it's just great to see both these on Blu-ray, and just the cult especially the second movie. The colors really pop off the screen, and nice. it's definitely worth watching. And there's the making of *The Rescuers Down Under* thing, which is like a really old like featurette that they did, I think way back for whatever the first DVD or VHS they ever did for it was. Uh, there's a sing-along on there. So for everybody that likes some Disney karaoke, uh, Waterbirds, uh, which is another Disney True Life Adventure thing with Walt Disney hosting it and talking about how they are inspired by real life animals to do their films, and then there's a uh, Three Blind Musketeers, Silly Symphony animated short on there too. So it's it's cool to to see some of these animated shorts that they did for like the the Silly Symphony things on there because. They haven't gotten their, their own Blu-ray release, which would be nice, actually, if Disney did put out just like a Blu-ray collection of all of the Silly Symphonies on a Blu-ray. I think that'd be awesome. I would buy it. And Kind of kind of like the, the Pixar shorts that they've been doing. And we're going to be getting a volume two of those coming out. But yeah, what did you guys think of The Rescuers when you guys saw it?
1: Um, I can't remember how I felt with The Rescuers, but I really liked uh, Rescuers Down Under. Um, that was one of our uh, big Disney films that we would watch a lot at home. Um, I like it to me. Rescues down under is kind of like, like it doesn't have that many songs in it, does it? Like, I I think, I don't think it does any at all. And, uh, I like, I like that in a, in a Disney film. Um, I really liked McLeach as a character. He's the only guy that can, that can use a double barrel shotgun with a scope and like hit a piece of rope (laughs) from like, from like 50 yards away. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved his character, and um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good Disney film. I don't understand how it like started this, this whole like Disney sequel curse, you know? Yeah, because um, it's
0: it's actually a really good film and stands on its own. You don't even like really need to see the first movie.
3: Shoot,
1: yeah, um, and I love that they wrapped up um, um, Miss Bianca and um, who's the hero? rap?
0: Oh, Bernard. Bob Newhart. Yeah, Bernard.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that they wrapped up their relationship and made it, and and had it, you know, come to a good conclusion at the end of that one. Okay. Um. And I liked the, you know, the conflict that Bernard has with the, uh, the Australian rat, you know, yeah, Steve Irwin rat, who, uh, yeah. you know, is like their guide. Um. I just really like that film. Maybe it was like dull color wise. Maybe that was like something, something had to do with how people didn't like it, or, or I don't know, or lack of. Lack of songs or lack of, like, soundtrack, but it's a great
0: film. I guess maybe, like, in the release of it, it is, like, in the middle of, like, Oliver and Company and Little Mermaid, that came out before it, and then Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King, and all these movies that relied heavily on music came out after it, so it is kind of one of those films, like, just in between, that didn't have music, I guess. So maybe maybe that's why kids didn't like it as much, because they're like, oh, I want to go to a Disney movie that's got a lot of singing in it. But, I don't know. What did, you, what did you think about the Rescuers movies, Matt?
2: I, I don't remember the Rescuers, but I remember the Rescuers Down Under. And what I do remember of it, I had, like, on a video game. And I remember playing that, like, all the time.
1: <laughs> the Disney video games, man.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. Aladdin on Super Nintendo.
1: Oh, my God. That Lion was
0: King episode. on Super Nintendo. Those were the best video games ever. Pretty much. <laughs> we should do an episode about about those maybe sometime uh and then the next one i had never actually seen this until just until i got this was the tigger movie or uh, actually maybe i had seen it but i don't i don't remember seeing maybe that's how forgettable it was when i did see it but so it was the last film that the sherman brothers did music together for for disney and it's it's all about about tigger And it kind of, I think it started that trend of doing individual, almost doing individual films for the different characters of Pooh, because they did this and then they did uh, Piglet's Big Movie, and then I don't don't think Piglet's Big Movie did not And then they did a
1: Heffalump movie, didn't
0: they? Yeah, the Pooh's Heffalump movie, but I don't think Piglet did as well, so that's why they kind of stopped doing the individual character-based things. Like, otherwise you probably would have got like a rabbit movie, an owl movie. An
1: Eeyore movie? Yeah, an Eeyore movie.
0: I'm surprised we didn't what get an Eeyore movie with how with how so popular depressed. Eeyore is. <laughs> I still think it's awesome that Peter Cullen does the voice for both Eeyore and Optimus Prime. <laughs> because if you think about what? it Because if you think about it <laughs> it's, when you're watching Eeyore, it's like, oh look at Optimus Prime is really depressed. Or if you just if you changed around the anime the the voice work and just had Eeyore uh talking as Optimus Prime in an episode and then Optimus is Eeyore, Eeyore would sound like really heroic and everything and be like, Oh man. But you get off Yours back. He's going to kick your butt. I know, right? But uh, th- that is cool that he does both funny. their voices. That's I didn't know that. That's hilarious. And Peter Cullen actually still does the voice for Optimus in the Transformers films that they've been doing with Charlie LaBeouf and Michael Bay.
1: And so, Cybertron, the new... Uh, the oh, yeah, and then the, the
0: Transformers Prime, I think he's still doing the voice, too. So cool. he's definitely... they,
1: should make a, uh, they should make a Gopher movie and take him back to his Vietnam years. <laughs>
0: <That'd be awesome. laughs> so, speaking of Winnie the Pooh actors who have done voices... Chloe Grace Moretz, who was Hit Girl in Kick-Ass, as you all may know, did the voice of uh, Darby, and then my friends Tigger and Pooh stuff. So I've been trying to find a video on YouTube for a long time of someone taking her audio from Kick-Ass and putting it into my friends Tigger and Pooh, because <laughs> cause I just think it'd be funny hearing Hit Girl as Darby. But... Uh, Tigger movie wasn't actually that bad. Of a movie that kind of is a good message about anybody can be your family, because that uh, Tigger gets all depressed that he is actually the only one. After he's finally d- thought about this and come to this conclusion, even though he's been seeing it for years and years. Uh, but then everybody kind of dresses up like like Tigger, to, because they're his friends, and they want him to feel loved and whatnot. Uh, it's, it does have a nice conclusion to it, and what's kind of cool about this Blu-ray is that it has ten mini uh, Pooh shorts on there, voiced by John Cleese, who did who was the narrator for the Winnie the Pooh movie that came out last year. Oh, so I'm yeah. assuming they did a bunch, had him do a bunch of these when they did that, because there were some of these on the Winnie the Pooh Blu-ray, and then there were some on this too. So, and then in there they announced that Winnie the Pooh, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh would be coming out on Blu-ray by itself next year. So I'm excited for that too, because. That's the Winnie the Pooh that I remember watching, plus the animated series when I grew up. You, you guys probably watched that too, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the animated series.
1: Pooh bear, Winnie the yeah. Pooh bear, that one.
0: That that made Winnie the Pooh cool. That that series with poos uh, with pooh st- <laughs> It made Winnie the Pooh cool. <laughs> with Pooh sticks, and which Pooh sticks by itself sounds gross. If you just think about that Pooh sticks, but I
1: love I love Pooh, man. The more Pooh, the better. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I've noticed, I've. Uh, I'm glad that the movies took a more lighthearted tone after the search for Christopher Robin, because that thing was like an emotional, emotional. De- Talking about depression, man.
0: Oh, the search for Christopher Robin.
1: Yeah, where they like they're like hallucinating the whole time about <laughs> Christopher Robin. Uh, you know, the whole movie is this like um, hallucination that's been brought on by like panic and anxiety. <laughs>
0: And yeah, like the like and the. at the
1: end, it's not even a a straight conclusion because it's like, okay, sure, you brought Christopher Robin back from his first day of school, but you do realize that he's got like a hundred more days of school.
0: It's kind of so like he, like so get
1: over your obsession with Christopher Robin. Man. It's kind
0: of like Pooh's version of Toy Story Three, where instead of Christopher Robin going off to college, it's Christopher Robin going off to like probably to ki- kindergarten school, or man. yeah, and that, that's, that's kind of what reaction. that that show the, the many or my friends Tigger and Pooh is about is that. Darby is actually Christopher Robin's younger sister, I and mean, he shows up like maybe once in a while. I used to watch it when my son was like two or three years old. Yeah,
1: I'm guilty too.
0: <laughs> uh, but with that, the last one is another Disney straight-to-DVD sequel from that that little bit of their time in the the early 2000s and late 90s, where we're like, hey, let's make a bunch of sequels to movies that we did and put them out on DVD. Uh, it's Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, which follows uh, Lady and the Tramp's son, Scamp, and it's kind of almost exactly the same storyline what they did with Little Mermaid 2, where are like, oh, uh, we made... You became a human in the first movie, so now your daughter wants to be a mermaid. So in this, since uh, Tramp has now become like a house dog, now his his son, he's like, I, I want to be an alley dog and I want to, I want to be free. So basically it just does the reverse of the first movie. And then like, apparently like this guy that Scamp gets in with what used to be one of Tramp's friends and feels super betrayed that, that Tramp left. And it's, uh, he's voiced by Chaz Palminardi. You guys, he's been a lot of like mafia based films or so. <laughs> it, so it's kind of funny. They got him to voice that character. Uh, and, and then He
1: gets uh, involved in the canine underworld. Yeah.
0: And it, it kind of basically retraces a lot of the same stuff from the first movie, so it's almost like a remake of Lady and the Tramp, almost just trying for little kids to watch it instead. Kind of like Jungle Book 2. Yeah. Although, with Jungle Book 2, I will say that I would give John Goodman and Haley Osment credit for their voice acting in that, because they sound exactly like... The original Blue and the original Mowgli in that film. So, if anything, they got really good voice actors to, to do to replace them in that. But, and I'm assuming when Jungle Book finally comes out in Blu-ray, we'll get Jungle Book 2 on Blu-ray at the same time. Probably yeah. packed together. Uh, but, yeah, and then what's kind of nice about this is that they do, they have a making of it, which, all right. Um, and then they have three bonus shorts that are starring Pluto. And one of them has Pluto with a sun. And apparently, I, n- I I never knew that Pluto had a a son at one point, but yeah, those are on there. So, and that, that this is another one that it has those shorts on it, and I wish they release like all these shorts, like really early shorts of these characters on their own Blu-rays. And and then the the last two things were DVDs I got were Danny Phantom season two part two, and then the Heathcliff and Dingbat Show. <laughs> uh, Danny hey. Fant- Phantom, like we talked about, or Here's where you guys are going to see behind the Curtain. Uh, we, we we edited this show out of order, so some stuff we might be referencing to, stuff that happens later in the episode that we're referencing to now. But I, I think we talked about Fairly Odd Parents later or earlier, whenever in the timey-wimey uh, spectrum of this. But anyways, in that the Fairly Odd Parents, the same people that did that did Danny Phantom Season 2. I mean, right. the, the series in general. So it kind of has the same feel to it. And this kind of just adds more to his ventures. He gets more of his powers and whatnot. Uh, I never really liked Danny Phantom as much as like I did The Fairly Odd Parents. It felt almost like Fairly Odd Parents mixed with Ghostbusters a little bit, but yeah. and and never really like grabbed me as much as like Fairly Odd Parents did. And I mean if if you like it this is another one to check out cuz I mean these are really cheap that Amazon've been putting out there at like 7 or like $8 and they to record to DVD for you. So if you want to get them that way it's awesome. And um, the next one is I remember watching Heathcliff when I was a kid and should be worth checking out too it's from Warner Ar- Archive. It's got 13 episodes from that series so on it. Uh and then, so yeah, if you haven't watched Heathcliff ever, that's also on Netflix Instant, so if you don't want to buy the DVD, go check it out on Netflix Instant, because Heathcliff was a, a pretty good show. many of those orange cats that I remember from when I was a kid, so definitely check that out. And then with that, we're going to get into our news, and the first bit is that we got some stuff in for you, our listeners, if you've been listening... Uh, we kind of announced this last week, but here, here are the rules for it. We got, we have a paranormal contest, and once we reach 25 written reviews on iTunes, we'll pick a winner, a winner at ran- <laughs> a sure. winner, a winner at random from those reviews. We'll put it into like a, like a counter on the internet to pick the, uh, the number out at random, and they'll win the prize back. So, leave us a review, a written review on iTunes, so that we can actually see it. And then send it to uh, take a screen cap of it and then email it to us. And then we'll give all of those everybody's name and number, and then we'll put it in, in that that random number generator online and see who wins that way. But uh, it'll help us get reviews on there and bump us up so more people can check out our show. And then you guys could win this awesome prize pack, which has a Paranorman T-shirt in there. Uh, it's size large, so if you're not a large. Be nice to somebody and give it to give them, that, I guess. Uh, a notebook that's got Paranorman on it, uh pencil pack that you can use with that. Uh, they glow in the dark, which is kind of cool too. Uh, and stickers, so if you have a. I feel like stickers those are cool. Uh, there's a novelization of the movie. And then th- these two things are really cool if you've seen the movie: uh, Paranorman's. Uh, Paranorman. Uh, Norman's toothbrush uh, that he used in the movie, and his zombie slippers that he used in the movie. So, yeah, man, love those slippers. They're they're awesome. So yeah, Sweet. so definitely start writing us some reviews on iTunes. Since we hit twenty five, we'll put them all into that that generator, and whoever wins, we'll send that out to you and get it out to you as soon as we can. And then with that, we're gonna get into a little bit of our, our news for the week. Uh, we talked about this is that Pixar Shorts Volume Two is finally headed to Blu Ray on November thirteenth, which is the same day as Brave is gonna be coming out. And a bunch of the special features for that have been released and whatnot. What I think is cool about this volume too, is that we're going to get John Lasseter, Andrew Staten, and Pete Doctor's student films on there. So that'll be cool to see stuff that they did like when, while they were going to CalArts and to like really see some of the really early stuff that they did. And I guess there's going to be some more stuff on there to see like how all of these different Pixar animators came to be at Pixar. So that's definitely going to be worth it. And then Prep and Landing, the Totally Tinsel Collection. They last year they released the first special on DVD by itself but this they're going to be releasing on Blu-ray which is the special from last year and then the special from the year before that. Did you guys you guys watch the prep and landing specials, right?
1: Uh, I don't think I have.
2: I have. I did watch it. That was with the the two elves, right?
0: Yeah, uh uh Dave Foley does the voice of one of the the voice or one of the elves.
2: Yeah, I I told you um like we reviewed this earlier and I watched uh what was oh Jesus I I hated this because I watched
0: you watched Arthur Christmas
2: Arthur Christmas yeah I watched that right before I saw this and like the two different styles just like killed me and I I didn't like prep and landing even though After that watching Arthur it, Christmas cause and I even though prep and landing came Christmas out first. so much
0: yeah uh. But, I mean, it's definitely worth checking out. It's funny, and I'm glad that it's coming out on Blu-ray now instead of just that DVD. My voice cracked a little bit there. Uh, and we'll be... And then the next thing is that Lucasfilm and Disney have decided to combine to create Star Wars Cars figures. What? Uh, yeah, so Darth Mater, uh, <laughs> Luke McQueen, I guess. Uh, Wait, print... Darth Mater? Yeah, Uh Princess Sally, so Princess Leia is, is Sally, Lightning McQueen is Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader is Mater, the Tractors are the Stormtroopers, and Luigi and Guido are C3PO and R2D2. And then there's another one that hasn't been revealed yet, which I'm assuming will either be Doc Hudson as Obi-Wan Kenobi, or maybe um, the Sheriff or Ramon, maybe as Han Solo. But yeah, these are going to be coming out as die-cast cars and pins. Uh, I mean, my son's happy for these because I mean it's two things that he loves getting pushed together, but it kind of it seems like a really weird collaboration to have these things being put out so i don't i mean I guess we we'll have them i mean you check out the link and see what they look out look like on our, our show notes, but yeah, be interesting to see these when they come out uh and the next thing is that there's a new feature that they put out about the converting nemo into three d And it's kind of cool to hear, like, what they had to say about it, about, uh, John Lasseter says, like, every single scene in the film has, like, those particulates in the water, so every scene, like, the 3D is, like, really grabs your attention, and and Staten said it was, like, watching the 3D film for the first time, so, I know, it should be interesting to see how that looks, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it in 3D, just, basically just a chance to see the movie in in theaters again, I'm looking forward to, that and Monsters, Inc., uh, Kind of going with the, the Nemo Nemo news. Say that five times fast. Uh, Elna Generous is now actually in talks, which apparently makes this true that they're doing a sequel to Finding Nemo. So are, what are you guys thinking about Nemo 2? What would you like to see them do with the sequel?
1: Like, they're still not going to do an incredible sequel? No. Nope. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, sure, man. I, I mean, I think Dory kind of made Finding Nemo. In a lot of ways, otherwise you would have just had boring, stressed out Marlin, um, you know, and the crazy fish that live in the tank. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, if they are in fact doing a, a Finding Nemo two, uh, like everyone's uh, saying that they are, um, then uh, yeah, uh, I would kind of require Ellen DeGeneres to be in it. She, um,
0: she's been wanting but, a sequel since they started yeah, but, doing so. She's doing like, I want to be her own film. Oh yeah, they did
1: with Cars too. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I think it would be weird. I mean, do they have to change the title if, like, Nemo's not lost again? <laughs> you know? Like, it, it's Finding... Yeah, like, find like here it says it's Finding Dory, but, like, I don't
1: know. Seems weird to me. Finding Nemo's car keys, I don't know. Yeah. Finding Nemo's friend.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the title won't, won't just be like Finding Nemo 2, though. Like, the same way that Monsters University is, like, kind of like a sequel title, but... They fixed it enough so that it's not exactly the same thing. It'll probably be... It'll, I'm sure they'll figure something out for it, but... I de- Yeah, I definitely don't want to see a retry of the same thing, and I, if they do do anything, I would like to see more of uh, like interaction maybe between like Nemo and Dory, because they didn't get to spend that much time together in the first movie because of them finding Nemo. But, yeah. Uh, with that, we're gonna go. Uh, Tenacious D is gonna actually possibly launching an animated web series, which I'm pretty excited about because the D is awesome. So, <laughs> if yeah, if you guys like Tenacious D, uh, one of the music videos they did for one of their songs was animated. So I'm hoping it's like in that same style. Uh, so I'm I'm excited for uh, that. I
1: just hope it's not one of these like uh, flash animation, you know, moving web comics. Yeah. Um... Uh... I, I yeah, hope it's I mean, a little bit me.
0: better than the like the, the Kevin Smith like smutimation animation. Like I hope it's not as crude as that, but maybe a little bit better. But like I I know it's got to be cheap enough where they can just produce it and put it on the the internet. But would like to see like some good animation from that. But interested to see that. And then the next thing is that Cloudy Two: Revenge of the Leftovers. Uh, they've released some plot and casting details for. And I know Matt is probably excited for this because yes. when your favorite movie is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cloudy with a yeah, Chance. Yeah, I can't of meatballs.
2: wait for this. This is gonna be awesome. Like that's one of my favorite Cloudy with the Chance. Uh, you know, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is one of my favorite movies. So I am really excited to see this come out.
0: So, what would you like to see in the, the sequel?
2: So, is that the actual title, Revenge of the Leftovers? Yeah. Yeah, that I don't know. That should be pretty cool. I mean, like you know how like the thing exploded, um, in the last movie, the flimster of a flirter, but like. <laughs> it could be really cool like all like the food that's been left over on the island you know that coming back to life that'd be pretty sweet and you know, i'd like to see like some like i don't know like garbage monsters or something like that coming up or like some you know mold go- gone wa- wild or some crazy you know thing yeah. like that but just like the whole character design of the movie like the colors and environment uh from the original cloudy with the chance of meatballs was absolutely stunning and just all the little stylizations here and there was great. So I, I really can't wait for this.
0: The the synopsis for this is that Cloudy 2 picks up soon after the events of the first film, with a town of Swallow falls in dire need of a cleanup crew. Enter live corp, a company run by Chester V., voiced by Will Forte, who, like main character Flint, has a talking monkey, this one named Barb. Uh, live Corp must clean up the mess left by the Flimdrecher, the machine that turned water into food. albeit without the knowledge of the machine, is still pumping out creations like talking pickles, a reference <laughs> to the second cloudy book's title Pickles to Pittsburgh. Uh, strawberry named ba- Berry, a giant french fry legged bacon cheese spider, what the heck? Which lords over the abandoned town like a massive cholesterol spiking tarantula. <laughs> And then, like, everybody from the first one was returning. Well, most people. Like, Annie Ferris is returning, and Andy Samberg is returning, and James Caan is returning as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Especially if, if it's as good as the first movie, um, I'm definitely looking forward to it.
2: Nice.
0: Uh, and then, with that, we're going to get to our recommendations uh, for this week. My recommendation is actually an unreleased documentary that was produced called The, the Sweatbox, which is about the making of Disney's The Emperor's New Groove, which was actually originally titled The Kingdom in the Sun. Kingdom of the
1: Sun? Kingdom, Kingdom of, of the, the
0: sun, sun, and then it was Kingdom in the Sun, and then it was the Emperor's New Groove. And it shows, like, this entire uh, process of what they went through of making the movie, like how it was a completely different movie at one point. It had some of the same elements. Like, at one point, Owen Wilson was doing a voice in it. It had, like, Prince and Pauper type thing going on. Uh... There was still a thing with with llamas in it, but that uh, Cusco had a different name, and he was gonna fall in love like a llama herder because she liked him as a llama, or whatever. But and then ended up the director ended up leaving, who was the same director who had worked on The Lion King. And it's just a a really cool documentary to kind of see like what goes into the making of like some of these these animated films, like and all the hard work. In the process of like showing it to different executives and different crowds to see what works in the movie and what doesn't work in the movie. And it's and you can I post a link to it. You can find it on on YouTube. It's definitely worth watching. So get a chance, definitely check it out.
1: Yeah, thanks for the link. Cause they like they like periodically YouTube comes in and like shuts that document documentary down every once in a while, right?
0: Yeah. If you if you can't find it on there, just keep Google searching the sweatbox. You'll find it somewhere online. Yeah. There's always somewhere Mar- it's gonna be.
1: Morgan watched it too, and and then she said, "Hey, y'all, ought to watch this," but then the link got closed all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. So if you if if you can find it online, watch it because it's it's definitely good, especially if you're into Disney animation and what goes into the process of everything with that. Uh, so what's your recommendation, Matt?
2: Oh, uh, my recommendation for the week is actually uh, something I found a little while back. Do you remember seeing this, Mark? Salesman P?
0: I think I I might have seen it it on
2: my Facebook like uh, it was almost like a year ago but uh I I resurfaced with it because I we haven't talked about it yet and it's uh Salesman Pete is this cool little short film that I found and uh it's on Vimeo if you guys want to check it out um and it just the first time I saw it it like I blew my mind because it's one of the best like 3D, like, 2D-looking films like I've seen, like, other than the Gruffalo, I, or not the Gruffalo, but uh, what other? The, the one you were talking about but, last uh, week? The... It's, it's really cool. It's got uh this really cool, like, style to it, and it's, like, really actiony and there's just cool little comedic moments throughout the uh, film. So, if you like that, you know, like, toony-looking 2D, 3D style, I say check it out.
0: Cool, definitely have to check that out. I probably watched it, but I don't remember. I'll check it out again though. And then Mason, what's your recommendation for the week?
1: Well, um, let's see. I'm gonna talk a little bit about a film that I saw like last week. Oh, I, I saw it again. I'm talking about Rango, man. I saw it last week when I was in Colorado, um, and uh, I liked it when it first came out. Um, but I noticed that no one really talks about it, or they like think it's weird with Rango is that like if you like animation then you kind of need to watch this film because um, it's like what if I told you that the special effects company that did Star Wars that did the special effects for Star Wars went and made their own film you know and that's what Industrial Light Magic did with Rango and it's like like if you're a fan of like all the like all the little like texturing and lighting problems that animators have to work with like Ringo is like beautiful to look at, the yes. atmosphere that the atmosphere that they created is exactly like this, you know, dusty, kind of, um, you know, gray, kind of nasty Wild West world that you saw in uh, the Sergio Leone films, and um, and you know the other classic uh, westerns. It totally recreates that atmosphere and that attitude. Um, apart from the fact that you know audiences might get a little tired of how much Johnny Depp. Is in this film like his presence in the film is pretty big. Um, if you throw all that aside, it's like a really cool movie. Like all the characters are done really well. There's a lot of creativity that went into designing this whole world, um, and it's just really cool. Like the, everything from the music that uh, was done by Hans Zimmer um, to uh, you know the little details that they put into people's clothes and, and hair and fur. You know, like fur effects? Heck, go watch Rango because it's like all over the place. There are tons of furry critters in this in this film.
0: Yeah, I really like the movie. It's like A lot of the animation looks photorealistic. And yeah. I, I really hope that ILM does another feature-length animated film. and This isn't just the one-and-done type of thing, especially since they won an Oscar for it last year.
1: Yeah, totally. They won the Oscar, and there's a good reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. my recommendation, um, just to kind of give this film a chance. If you haven't seen it already, you need to see it, especially if you're a fan of animation.
0: Definitely. Hey, so those are... Our recommendations what what's your recommendation for the week Morgan
3: so my recommendation I've been watching called re redefining the line the making of 101 Dalmatians I I found it on YouTube I'm pretty sure it's on the 101 Dalmatians blu-ray or DVD release and it's pretty cool because it's I've been watching it in four parts but it just talks about Hundred One of Dalmatians and how that was such a revolutionary different movie for Walt Disney Animation Studios. Walt wasn't really involved on it and or involved in it and it was actually the first movie to use the Xerox process. So they kind of got rid of the, you know, the the Inkers who would do the lines, you know, by hand every single cell, and then they were just able to to Xerox the animator cell, um, the animator's keyframes, and then put it onto a cell that way. So it really sped up production. So you learn a lot of Disney history, you know, just animation process history, I guess. And so that's really cool. Um, it talks about Bill Peet, who is, you know, a famous Disney storyboard artist. You know, he's really the one who started setting everything up, like all these famous scenes that you see. He's the one behind it, you know. And a lot of times, the storyboard artists don't get a lot of credit, so they really do, you know, put him in the forefront. Yeah. And they just talk about how it's a, you know, how 101 Dalmatians was a very contemporary film for the time, uh, how back then it was contemporary. And even now it still, you know, holds true as a contemporary film, you know, Brad Bird's on there. Um, a lot of Pixar guys, you know, are commenting and it's it, 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 it actually, it's very, informative. I love when Disney comes out with these featurettes on the DVDs because I just love anything behind the scenes that I can learn about how the process was made. So that's my recommendation.
0: Cool. Uh, and, yeah, actually, if you guys are interested in more about, like, the Zero Era, we did a whole episode about Disney Zero X Era, which is kind of cool that a lot of their films from that time are actually coming out on Blu-ray this year. Uh, already we got The Rescuers, uh, which we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, and then, um, what else came out this year, that, or is coming out this year? That, uh, oh, The Aristocats, that also came out on Blu-ray this past week. That we talked about that a little bit earlier. Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is coming out next year on Blu-ray, and then next month, the Great Mouse Detective is coming out on Blu-ray. So it seems like as soon as we started talking about the Xerox era, all of these films decided to come out on Blu-ray. And then, like you, you said something about 101 Dalmatians coming out on Blu-ray. I, I haven't seen anything for the U.S., but if you look on HMV in Canada, it actually says that it's coming out on Blu-ray in September there too. So... Which is interesting, so I guess we'll have to stay tuned to see what's actually going on with that Blu-ray because I haven't seen anything for that here in the U.S. at all. All Alright, so we're going to get to our main topic now about the endless summer of animation for this year. kind of go backwards from what's out currently and back into July and then into June. Um, And I don't think there really was any animation in May talk about the animated films that came out this year. So start off with Paranorman, which I really liked. I know Matt just got to see it. And it's actually uh, where our two podcasts met for the first time when we went to go see Paranorman. So what are everybody's thoughts on the film? Start with uh,
3: Morgan. Um, So for Paranorman, I actually just saw it this past week. I thought it was really delightful. The animation was beautiful, and uh, I couldn't stop looking at it. Um, I liked the casting a lot. I wasn't such a fan of, of Norman, uh, not necessarily him as a character, but his voice for some reason, but yeah, I liked it. I think I'd rate it like 3.5. It just wasn't, it didn't have that replay value for me, I guess, where I feel like, uh, this is a great Halloween, October movie, and I definitely want to watch it during that time. But any other than that, I don't know. I just wasn't, it didn't, it didn't work for me. I guess so well. But my favorite part, I think, was Anna Kendrick's character, Norman's sister. I thought she was an absolute riot. So uh, there definitely was a good mix of characters and not stereotypes, but they're kind of were, you know, with the cheerleader sister, the like guy with the gauges, the jock, and they kind of played around with those. And that was really fun.
0: Uh, Chelsea?
4: I, yeah, I, I agree with Morgan in that, like, I gave it a 3.5 as well. I enjoyed the movie, really. Um, one thing that I l- really loved about the animation is one thing about Anna Kinder's character is, like, her lips had, like, this lip gloss-type stuff on it, and I, like, couldn't stop looking at it. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> but she was... I love her. She's a great actress, and she does a really... She did a really good job on the voice of this character. Um, there are a lot of other really good characters I liked as well. And... um yeah it was just fun all around the whole thing was a really good had a really good mix of of characters and also of of plot so the ending was my favorite and i made i it just made me even more of a fan of stop motion
0: cool uh Mason
1: you know uh, I've been on vacation in a cabin out in the mountains for like two weeks, so I haven't been able to see it yet. <laughs> but i plan on seeing it like probably this week or or the next um as soon as i get settled down here but yeah thanks for thanks for not uh (laughs) including any spoilers or anything (laughs) but yeah i'm definitely wanting to see it i'm a huge fan of stop motion so it'll be good it's
0: definitely worth worth seeing uh matt what did what did you think about you just got to see it yesterday finally
1: yeah i saw
2: it uh yesterday with my girlfriend i thought it was awesome um you know the animation was great like the bottom there was like one like particular thing that stuck out for me was like one of the zombies like the bottom jaw like that was just flapping around in the wind like i think that was like animated beautifully like the one guy that was just like this chin was like roaming around and uh the my favorite character was uh uh, Norman's uncle there there's a couple scenes that were just absolutely hilarious like with him you know I'm not going to spoil it for you Mason but there was like some really funny uh, uh, little you know little scenes with him in it and uh, I wish I, the only thing I wish there was more of was like the interaction between Norman and like the ghosts I mean you got that one like uh, intro like in the beginning where uh, you know he was like interacting and I wish there was a little bit more of that throughout the whole movie. <clears throat> um, but overall, I, I liked it. Um, it was a really good stop motion uh film. There was some really just beautiful shots. I think. I mean, some of that stuff is really hard to do. Like, uh, like the one shot where like Norman walked in a door, and I saw the rim lighting through his hair, and just uh, a couple shots at the end were just absolutely beautiful. So I'm a real big fan of this, and um, yeah, really liked it
0: and then yeah, I mean, I think this is actually my favorite animated film of the year now. I, I r- ended up really connecting with it. I think on a bunch of different levels. i got to see it twice now. That's how much I liked it. I, I went back and saw it last week with my my son again, and he liked it too. And I think the thing the with the three D added to it, it's kind of cool with the stop motion. Is it almost feels like like a you can like you're looking into like a diorama and you'd see, like, all the stuff moving around, and, like you guys were saying, the animation is really well done. For, for it being a stop-motion film, it almost looks CGI because of how fluid all the animation is in that film. I mean, I mean some of the stuff in there is added with stuff in post that obviously, obviously can't do with stop-motion, but I, I liked everything about it. I liked...
2: Uh, there was, like, toilet paper that was, like, animated... Like into the hands. Do you remember that?
0: Oh yeah. Oh that yeah that was awesome. Like
2: just the <laughs> the use of media
0: was great. And I and I liked how they kind of played with the concept of zombies too. And like it's not exactly what you're expecting when you go to see it. And I definitely suggest everyone go see this. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. So yeah, go go see it. Paranorman's pretty good and with that we're gonna go back to last month when ice age 4 came out and we'll just go back around the same order this time with what you guys thought of ice age 4.
3: oh so me first uh i guess this is the awkward silence where where i admit that i haven't seen it um that makes two of us (laughs) I, Chelsea, you see it? three of us. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry.
1: <I laughs> you know what? Just, <laughs> cut, just cut the horoscopers out of Ice Age 4, okay?
3: Yeah, right? either.
2: So, Mark, you're the only one that saw <laughs> it.
0: And uh, I actually, I think if, if I hadn't gotten to see it for free, I probably wouldn't have saw it either. But yeah, I think
3: I've only seen the first one, and I wasn't that enamored with it and just never got around to seeing the other ones. And so this one just had no appeal to me, even though, you know, technically I should, you know, for the sake of animation, go and see it. But I couldn't even bring myself... You
0: know, for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't com- completely that bad a movie. The third movie is actually my favorite, and that's, I think, mostly because I like Simon Pegg a lot, and his character that they added into the third movie more or less made that movie for me. And then he isn't in the fourth movie at all, so that detracted from it. And then I, I probably would have seen it anyways, I guess, since since I have my son, he would, he would have wanted to see it. But there was some cool stuff in it where Peter Dinklage did the voice of the ape that's in the movie and they have some cool pirate stuff with that. But then that, that's the other thing that I kind of talked about this in a older episode we did, whereas, whereas like the series has become, I know it's about talking animals, but it's become more and more and more less believable where like the first film that they're interacting timeline wise correctly with uh, Eskimos and whatnot and the humans can't, don't know that they can talk or whatever. And then, as each film has progressed, it's kind of got more and more out there. Like with like this one with the pirates and like icebergs being pirate ships and stuff like that, it's, I think, just gotten more and more breaking their own rules that they set up in the first movie. It's
2: like we've talked about like podcasts and every time it's just like, they just, it's like the sequel, you know, it just, they spit out sequel after sequel after sequel. And it's just, uh, it doesn't do it for me.
0: I guarantee they'll make a fifth one
2: soon.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess with that, since I was one of the it, we'll go back into June now and talk about Brave.
3: Okay, so first off, I loved Brave. I I just remember going out of it and I just was had Brave on the mind and very very different than Paranorman where after I saw it, I was like, hey, okay, that's cool, you know, kind of moved on. But Brave, I was just thinking about it and, you know, I loved the animation and I loved the story um, and the world that they created, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really wish that we would have gotten to see or they would have kind of told us what Brenda Chapman's version of Brave was, uh, maybe in interviews or anything like that. But they're keeping that pretty like quiet. All we know is it's like kind of a, a shell of what it kind of she wanted it to be. But I really liked it. I'm glad that they made the changes that they did because it probably made it more relatable. Uh, Merida is a great character. Um Yeah, I mean, I guess that's all I really have to say about Brave. I just really liked it, and I still think that's the best animated film of the year.
4: I enjoyed it as well. Um, Weird for me, though, on that one is just how it was a lot of, like, a feminist-type feeling toward it a little bit. And I was just like, in my head, that that whole element didn't particularly meld perfectly with the time period of it. But at the same time, the story in and of itself was... It was enjoyable. I liked it. I love the music for it. I've since listened to the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is really cool. It's something that you can just have going in the background. It's it's nice. Um, I've yeah. So I I I gave it four stars, and I'm gonna keep it at four stars.
1: Yeah, I really liked Brave too. Like, if you want to see like how far animation had like CG animation has gotten in the past couple of years, like go see Brave. Like, it's beautiful, like, art-wise. What was fun, and I guess, like, what was funny to me was, like, this was Pixar's first um, fairy tale. So, it was, like, kind of your Disney fairy tale, kind of your, I don't want to say stereotypical, but, like, the usual classic Disney fairy tale. But it had the Pixar charm, and it had the Pixar, like, craftsmanship of just animating and modeling and texturing this amazing world that they created. And so I guess that was funny for me because maybe I didn't like it as much as a Pixar film, just because it was a fairy tale. Um, But what was great about it is that there wasn't like this sappy, um, you know, sappy romantic thing that blossoms in like five minutes, like a lot of Disney films. I'm saying this because I just finished watching Aladdin. (laughs) So, but um, but I enjoyed it. It's just uh, it's not my favorite Pixar movie, but it is a really good movie, and in my opinion, the best uh, animated film of this this year so far
2: because that would leave me leave with me next um (laughs) for me brave was uh i liked it you know i went to the film or went to the movie theaters and uh sat there with my girlfriend and you know there was like hidden things in there where i get really excited and we're like hey hey look at that did you see that and she's like what are you talking about but uh you know overall um it wasn't uh my favorite film of the year Um, there was, I mean, there was, all the characters were just beautifully done. Um, the character design and, uh, just, you know, like the, just the character development within them were awesome. Um, I think my favorite was the, the three, three little kids. Um, and, uh, just, uh, what else was I going to say? Um, just the design was great. Um, the, and actually the one, um, the, uh, topic I wanted to touch on was, uh, Actually, the hair on Meredith—absolutely amazing. We talked to uh, the two animators, uh, uh, and we—they were telling us about how they would go into dailies, and the hair on Meredith was actually like a character in and itself because they it had like a dynamics team that animated, and then they had an animator that actually worked on Meredith herself. So I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, not my favorite um, film of the summer, but it's still like up there with
1: me. Can I say one more thing about rare? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Another thing that, like, I don't want to be like, the, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here, but, like, <laughs> notice how a lot of Pixar films are really marketable? Look at Cars. Like, they're still doing Cars merchandise.
0: Yeah, Toy Story and Cars are, the like, basically the only two Pixar films that have merchandise all the time. If you want yeah. something from Bugs Life, good luck, because you're not going to find it. <laughs>
1: You make you make a good point there, Mark. Now with Brave, like besides the video game and like the Merida Barbie doll, like what you know, how how much merchandise can they expand for this film? So I wonder if because of that, this film's not going to be as memorable as other films. Like, when did Cars come out? It came out like early two thousands, right? Two thousand five. Yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I got a, I have a two year old like second cousin who like has his Lightning McQueen car, and he's always watching Cars and stuff. And I wonder, if, I wonder if that's going to be the same thing for Brave. Um, I think if doubt that because it's not very, it doesn't. There's not a lot of merchandise merchandise floating around about this film.
0: I think it might be in the respect of like the same thing with like Merida will be added to like Disney's princess line, and like they'll probably keep pushing stuff with that, like with uh. like you know with all the other princesses like jasmine and whatnot yeah put her I feel... in
1: the princess pantheon oh yeah.
3: you better believe it no okay so i just <laughs> looked it up cars came out in 2006 my bad but uh i think what they're gonna do with merida she's gonna fall into like the semi-memorable princess category you know Mulan, I guess falls into it. Pocahontas. You Mulan know is
1: not a princess.
3: Oh my gosh, we're not going into this right now. my memorable, remember? Fine, I will
1: see you on the Rotoscopers podcast, and we will debate this. And
0: technically, technically, Belle isn't a princess either. She just marries a prince.
3: So she becomes a queen, huh? Yeah. Um. No, like I think that she will have her, you know, kind of a reign with brave merchandise for a while but i think it will fade away just like you don't see like you said a bug's life merchandise anymore you're not gonna see mulan merchandise in the stores anymore while cars has this presence and it's a you know perpetual money-making machine that it is so it's kind of sad i mean i don't think the purpose you know of of determining how good the film is is how marketable it is but yeah. this it is kind of an interesting that that's something that we actually do qualify when we're talking about it. Like, well, it's a great film, but it's not that markable for products. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and like I was saying, I was being the devil's advocate, like I props to Pixar to making, you know, a film the way they wanted to, you know, and doing all that and not not buying into all all the merchandise and stuff. But still, you know, it makes me wonder if it's if the film's gonna be as memorable as other Pixar films, which is sad because it's a beautiful film.
0: Yeah. And kind of going from that. I, I really enjoyed the film. I, I would really like to know what the film would have been like had they kept like, Brenda Chapman on for the entire time as the director. And like even looking at some of the special features that are going to be on that Blu-ray when it comes out in November, there's a lot of stuff that says with the director on there, but I'm assuming it's just Mark Andrews, and there's not going to be anything with her talking about the film, which sucks because I know that like 80% or most of the inspiration of that film comes from her personally so it kind of stinks that i mean hopefully there'll be something on the blu-ray with her talking about it but i don't know with how now that she's left and if they ever got a chance to doing something for the the blu-ray with that at all and and like you guys are saying the animation was beautiful for the, for the film i don't think it's my favorite pixar film either that still goes to the incredibles but it is up there higher and it's higher than cars and cars (laughs) too uh but yeah i I definitely liked it and it is in my at least my top five uh films for the year so definitely a good addition to the pixar filmology that they've come to give us and looking forward to monsters university next summer uh so with that we're going to get into i think the film that some of us might have not liked even more than Ice Age 4 with Madagascar 3.
3: Okay, actually, I did like Madagascar 3. You know, I don't think I would have saw if I had to pay money for it, but I had, you know, screening tickets, and so I took advantage and I saw it, and it was actually pretty enjoyable. Um, It's, you know, very, you know, what am I trying to say? It just very simple it doesn't go too deep there's not you know deep questions that it answers it's just very uh for kids and it's very fast-paced you know there's not a lot of time to sit and to ponder and think you're just going from here to here i kind of appreciated that for the movie for what it was it wasn't trying to be you know something else and something deep and you know it was it was actually pretty fun you know they go to the circus they go to monte carlo um yeah, like for what it was, I actually had a good time. Like I couldn't not recommend it, but I couldn't recommend it over maybe some of the other films of the summer. Like, it was just a very neutral, pretty good movie for me. So, which was surprising because I went into it with this disdain for Madagascar, and it actually kind of, um, you know, fixed that problem for me.
4: I I had the same the same feeling like when i went to it with morgan i was just i kind of felt like meh it's madagascar what can you expect i had a really difficult time with the first one the second one was better but not really like it was okay and then the third one for me was just like oh that was pleasant all right cool i can move on now but i mean it was still pretty good the colors were really cool they did a really good job with that and also it was one of the very first like 3d animation movies that i was able to see that had like it just really felt real, and that was something I'll give them on that one. It was really cool in three D. Huh.
1: Well, I'm I haven't seen this one either, <laughs> and um, but I definitely should because uh, I enjoyed Madagascar two more than the first film, and I and I mean I like them both. I mean for what they're worth, um, they're alright films. I really I really liked Madagascar two mostly because of the addition of Alec Baldwin's character, um, as kind of the fat scar guy, <laughs> <Nice>. you <know? laughs> Um but anyway, um you know, and they expanded on the penguins and stuff and right. stuff.
0: and they're getting their own film now too.
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> penguins versus Minions, who would win?
0: Which are also getting their own film. Penguins. It'll be it'll be interesting if penguins. both those films come out around the same time. Although, yeah, oh. the Minions can't really talk and whereas the penguins can too. That'll be interesting with the Minions it'll movie. It'll be like
1: Clash of the Secondary Comedy Characters. Yeah. Or, like, the cult-following secondary comedy characters. But anyway, I haven't seen Madagascar 3, but I, I, I think I should, um, since I like the second one so much. So Although, if
0: you, if you liked the second one a lot, you might not like this one as much, because I almost negate everything that happened in the second film, except for the fact that Gloria and Melman get together. Because they they don't even mention Alex's parents at all. Like, I know that Bernie Mac passed away in between the, these two films, but there, there could right. have been some mention of why Alex was in such uh a hurry to get away from his parents after he had been away from them all of his life,
1: <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a oceans thirteen Dark Knight Rises kind of thing. There's yeah. just things that in your past that you don't talk about in the third movie yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, what did you think of it?
2: um, like Morgan and Chelsea like i I walked into the movie just kind of like yeah it's 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 gonna be another you know one of these you know little kid Madagascar movies, but I was pretty impressed how they um developed uh, like towards the end like the end of the movie um the the colors were amazing and after chelsea you said that you saw it in 3d and it was awesome i only i didn't see it in 3d i saw it in 2d and i think i have to go see it is it's it's not out right mark you could it's, probably
0: find it at a dollar theater maybe now like in 3d or if you yeah. find if you find a friend with the 3d tv in, the, in a 3d yeah. blu-ray yeah. they could watch it we, that way too
2: we still have to do a poll on that because who has a 3d tv <laughs> i don't know anyone
0: i still only know yeah. one one person that has one and they don't they only own one 3d movie to watch yeah. on it <laughs> what
2: a waste. so yeah i'll definitely try and check that out in 3d if i can but yeah i, I like the characters um you know the ending it, it, it impressed me in the end how it like turned out um and uh yeah it, it was pretty good
0: yeah, and then, kind of going off all of that is... No, I haven't liked the series as much as like some of other DreamWorks films, like the How to Train Your Dragon series, which is still only one film, but will expand soon, and the Kung Fu Panda movies. But I I, I didn't... I think I, I had a big problem with the third movie just because of the fact that it glosses over like most of the second movie, and I couldn't get over that while I was watching it. But I liked... I liked the addition of Brian Cranston as the, the Russian tiger in this movie. I thought that was a cool added character. And then, like you guys are all saying, the 3D element they did was a... They added a nice way of using it without being gimmicky, like with the their kind of Cirque du Soleil thing that they did at the end, with that kind of stuff. And I like how the film kind of makes the trilogy like circular in nature, but kind of also leaves it open for, obviously, a fourth movie, if they wanted to do a fourth movie. But yeah, so that's that's Madagascar three, and then we're gonna kind of preview just what's coming out next summer. We're getting Epic from Blue Sky, which is it's a nice thing to see them not doing a sequel to Ice Age again next summer. <laughs> Although we are getting a sequel to Rio eventually too. But this film looks <laughs> this film looks different enough from the rest of their movies that and Matt and I talked about this a little bit. It's like another miniature. People film So what do you got what are you guys' thoughts on about this movie when it's gonna be coming out next summer?
1: Is a uh, Pitbull still on it on the <laughs> thing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh I saw the previews and it looked pretty good. Actually I'm not kidding about Pitbull. I, I'm not looking forward to seeing him do voice acting. It'll be funny though. Um but visually like Epic looks really cool. It's kind of like kinda of reminds me of Fern Gully, but they're gonna really take like the physics and the three-dimensional nature of CG and uh, probably give some really stunning visuals with, uh, you know, kind of hopping through tree limbs and riding hummingbirds and stuff. Um, I've never... Um, Maybe I should, but um, I don't know. I don't... uh, Besides uh, the fact that I'm looking forward to seeing it purely based off visuals, I don't really have an opinion on it uh, yet.
3: Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Based on the trailer, it looks pretty exciting. It's kind of a mix of Ferngully and Thumbelina. Um, But... I, I, I appreciate that Blue Sky is doing something different other than Ice Age four times over. I mean, that they're going to expand. You know, they've done Rio and now they're doing this. And this looks, you know, this is so lush and green and rich compared to like the Ice Age world that, you know, obviously is uh, just, it's just different. And so I'm excited to see what they do. And it's not an original story, which is fine, but I'm excited to see what they do with this story. And uh, how they make it their own, because there obviously are those Ferngully and Thumbelina comparisons, and so I want to see if maybe they they try to veer off and go in a different direction, or if they just don't care and they're you know hey it is what it is, but that looks it looks really good surprisingly so.
0: Yeah, it, and I saw some of the voice cast on this. So it seems like they're going for a certain type of comedy with it too, because they have Judah Friedlander, Aziz Nari, and Johnny Knoxville as some of the the casts in it. And then I just saw this, is that the director at one point, uh, they were trying to find a new home for the film, and they he actually brought it to Pixar and had asked John Lasseter about taking it because they had worked with him on doing some of the stuff for Tron. And then as they were getting close to actually handing it over to Pixar, I guess Fox changed your mind and wanted the movie back. So that's kind of an interesting little behind-the-scenes thing with that. But yeah, I'm interested in it. It looks like a... Like, it's got a different enough visual to it that it won't feel too much like another of the same kind of thing from Blue Sky. And then, with that, going into Pixar's Monster University next summer, which I'm looking forward to. I, w- I remember not looking forward to this as much when I first heard that it was prequel, and I would have rather, possibly, maybe seen a sequel to Monster Sneak or not any continuation at all. But now with the... The trailer that we've seen for this, I'm more interested in it, and from stuff we keep hearing from John, La- or not John Lasseter, but from John Goodman and uh, Billy Crystal, it's getting me more and more excited for the movie.
3: Yeah, didn't Billy Crystal, didn't he compare this to Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah. In an interview I... <laughs> recently, so... Kind of definitely gives you a <laughs> reference of what to expect for it. You know, I think it's kind of not necessarily bold of Pixar to go into like a college frat house dorm room environment, but that's definitely it. Kind of could get more adult, but I doubt it will. It'll be that way, but um, it'll it'll be interesting to see these characters in this new new environment. Kind of sad to see Boo gone, but you know it is what it is. Um, I mean, I'm just excited. I just remember when I first saw Monsters Incorporated how how lush Sully looked and, and how cool I thought, you know, animation had gotten be able to make this big fluffy character. So I'm excited to see how they make it look even better. Because I've heard some of the animators say, like, wow, we thought Monsters, Inc. was good, but when we, you know, working on the second one, it's it blows Monsters, Inc. out of the water visually. So that's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting that this is uh, their pick for a prequel um, at Pixar Studios. I see. I'm like, okay, they're still making an Incredibles two. Don't they know what we want? You know, Um, but it'll be, but it'll be good. Um, I really love how Pixar kind of like, you know, with the Toy Story shorts and like the spots that they're doing as kind of mini previews for the film uh, that aren't your typical preview, like trailer preview. I think that's cool how Pixar does that. Um, It definitely gets people in the audience, you know, gets the audiences that are watching out there more engaged in the Pixar universe. And uh, so I think that's pretty clever. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I'll definitely watch it. And um, even though Monsters Univers- Monsters Incorporated isn't really my favorite Pixar film, but um, I think this will be cool. They can do all sorts of fun possibilities with a university setting for the film.
2: Yeah, I think this uh, movie's, like, setting up for a really good uh, sequel. I mean... Um, you know, all the char- I loved all the characters from the original Monsters, Inc., and uh, just bringing them back, Mike and Sully, uh, I'm i am going to love it. Um, it's its going to be interesting to see, too, how, like, lush the characters are. I can't wait to see, you know, what they do with this. It, its I think it's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, it'll be kind of interesting because, like with the, the Toy Story movies, you could see how the animation improved from film to film, but they kind of tried to scale it back so that it didn't look too much different from the film previous to it. So yep. even though the animation has gotten better since Monsters Incorporated timeline wise, this movie takes place before then, so it's interesting to see like maybe like how they would try to make the characters l- look in it, even though they look a certain way when they get older. So, maybe, ma- so maybe maybe weird. that kinda of works with the animation <laughs> looking better because that way they're they're younger. So maybe the animation looks better since they're younger. Uh but the other thing is that we could be they could do like a cool story thing with this, where like maybe it's told in flashback, and maybe we do get to see Boo somehow still. Because I mean, since they've never they've never done a prequel before, I'm sure they have some kind of creative thing up their sleeve and a and a way to go back to that without just kind of starting you there right from the get go.
1: So, what would y'all say if they made a prequel to Toy Story?
3: Ooh, huh.
0: The only thing I think that would be interesting, only because I would, I know that Woody used to belong to Andy's dad, and then you'd kind of see like what happened with that and why Woody feels such a need to protect Andy and always be, be there with him.
1: Because Woody's an antique, right? He's a hand-me-down.
0: And for some reason he didn't know that. So maybe, like I read, I don't remember where I read this somewhere online before, was that. Like there's a a good idea for a prequel to Toy Story where, you get the the backstory to Andy's dad, and like how basically Woody has all these memories that he kind of just, uh, tried to forget about, and that's that's why he's focusing on just being with Andy and always uh, being there for him because of what happened with Andy's dad.
1: But what happened with Andy's
0: dad? I don't know. Did he
1: torture
0: that- toys just for fun? It's <laughs> so n- another another Disney or well yeah Disney film with an ab- uh, absent parent and there's only one there. So right. yeah, good observation. But yeah, and then with and then Despicle we kind of talked about this with uh, the Minions, but Despicable Me Two will be coming out next July too. What do you guys think about that?
4: Okay, yeah, I'm only watch. I, mean... oh,
1: I will ahead. watch the I will watch this movie if one of two things occur. Um, number one is the they keep the girls back on the the three girls, and number two is if Despic if um Gru somehow uh, if there's a like a Mega Mind cameo that would be a lot better. But I know it's not <laughs> the same. I know it's not the same studio. Be- but I've always um I've always imagined like if Gru and Mega Mind did a film together, there'd be some cool chemistry. But um, I'm only going to watch this film if they bring the girls back, or unless they have something really awesome to offer besides they, the
0: minions. They are bringing back back his daughter or adopted daughters from the first movie.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Sign me up then.
0: <laughs> and then Steve Coogan is doing a voice on this, and Al Pacino is Gru's new nemesis for this movie too. Oh
1: great!
3: What? Uh,
0: wait, uh, wait
3: what? you said are we talking about Despicable Me Two or yeah. the Minions movie?
0: The Despicable Me Two.
3: Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I. Well, th- I th- oh, they're gonna
1: really confuse people because it's like, why don't they just do a show for the minions like they did with um, the Penguins, Penguins of Madagascar? I don't you know. You know, get the audience warmed up to just the minions. You
3: know? <laughs> I don't know. Surprised they haven't. Um, they're
0: surprised they haven't like ha- have that in development yet.
3: <laughs> Maybe they
2: do. Oh, it'll be there.
0: Yeah.
3: I I like Despicable Me. Um. But it was it was really like a, a surprise hit. But I don't necessarily need to see a second one. But I'll see it. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm such like the negative Nancy here. But um, I'm I'm very picky about my sequels. So I don't know if they have a good story and they can make it work. Then let's see.
1: Yeah. Jeez, Nancy. Yeah.
0: Hopefully can. <laughs> hopefully it can be good without like retreading anything from the first movie. Like I don't want him to have like a relapse into being. Entirely evil again, like <laughs> yeah. after after like his whole uh, growth through that first movie. And actually, my son, my wife watched that movie again last night, the first one. Uh, the the minions are funny, but I don't think that they're gonna work as by themselves in, in, in an entire movie.
3: Yeah, for the minions, the minions movie comes out December two thousand fourteen, and I just don't know if I could handle them on a long term ninety minute basis. I mean, they don't speak, and they like even there okay. There's this one commercial where they're singing, um, one, like a Beach Boy song, ba, ba, Bob Aran.
4: Yeah, Bob I mean, That yeah. that
3: commercial drives me insane because one, they have the one blowing <laughs> that little annoying horn, Potato. and then they punch the one punches them, and I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. You know, so I wonder if like the whole movie is just gonna be this big it's gonna annoying be a sl- mess, slaps
4: all <laughs> like slapstick. Yeah,
0: like I, I wonder if there's gonna be like any. It says there's gonna be cameos of characters from the Despicable Me films reprising their roles in there so maybe like Gru will be in like a small portion of it or the kids will be in some small portion of it and and apparently Jermaine Clement did the voice of one of the the minions in the first movie even though there's no way of knowing which one he no he did the voice of Jerry so if you find Jerry the minion in the first movie that's Jermaine Clement doing some random (laughs) cameo overall and then the the next movie uh, is this movie Turbo, which I don't know if I'm entirely excited about this whatsoever at all. Oh it, my god. From Dream, DreamWorks. It's basically cars mixed with snails. It's
2: a yeah. car in it.
0: Yeah, yeah Turbo is yeah. a s- snail who <laughs> dreams of being the greatest racer in the world, just like the hero. Five-time Indianapolis 500-champ guy gaggy.
1: Oh, could you yeah. get any more exciting DreamWorks? <laughs> a snail that wants to be in the that wants to be a stock car racer. Well, you know, what if there's a potato who wants to be a zucchini? But it's, you don't make a movie out of that. It's know? Ryan
0: Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is Turbo. <laughs> like oh, Jesus. the cast list for this is. I was like, how do they get some of these people to come on? Them? Ryan Reynolds, Paul Giamatti, Michael Pena, Luis Guzman, Bill Hader, Richard Jenkins, Ken Jeong, uh, when Michelle, Maya Rudolph snoop dog and sam
3: jackson <laughs> i think, oh, think what's fun is... with this movie is that they they gave everyone like you know they're just saying this is an untitled movie it's a grab bag you either sign on or you don't you get whatever it comes and then they yeah. kind of got tricked into it because yeah i don't know i imagine this this is how i imagine this film starting there's a little snail he lives i don't know under the bleachers at the indianapolis 500 and he grows up just seeing race cars and race cars it's of it's sort of like a um a ratatouille vibe like you know you're a yeah. rat you can't cook you yeah. know and then he's like yo no yes i can yeah i, I it, this will be interesting i'm not really looking forward to this there's only been like maybe two posters so i mean there's not much to look forward to currently
0: the movie could end on a real downer and someone accidentally spills salt on him and that's the end of the movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the end it's like oh yeah i'm finally gonna get to race and there's salt on me
1: <laughs> but he's still alive to be to be continued Greg racing um, on the salt
2: flats, and he's gone.
1: Okay. Oh shoot! It's like the villain makes him do it. <laughs> who? But who could be the villain? You know, a big old mean stock car racer who doesn't think that Turbo can do it.
0: A human's foot.
1: This is the re- okay. Here's the reason why I'm rolling my eyes and like stomping and hollering about how I'm not excited for this movie. Um, let's uh, let's let's just do the obvious here and compare this with Cars. Cars not only had a few stars, it had um had Owen Wilson, and it had uh, Larry the Cable Guy, who to me is a... Bernie has. Um, But they also made it authentic to the racing world and made it exciting for racing fans because they brought on... Uh, didn't they have Dale Earnhardt uh, voice for it? And they had a bunch yeah. of... uh They had the two Canadian guys who talk about um, cars breaking down and car repair um, on AM radio. They had those guys, you know. And then Jeff Gordon drive, for the second movie. For Jeff Gordon, yeah. And then the Ferrari guy and, and all that stuff. So they had real people you know, in the racing world doing it. And it was funny because everybody's like, Hey, that sounds like this guy. Hey, that is the guys, um, cars too. They had, um, they had captain sig from oh, yeah. catch. That was awesome. And my dad flipped when he saw that. That's the only reason why he likes the movie. That's the only, <laughs> and, and, um, but turbo, okay. They've got like 5 billion stars on this film. Um, but it's just going to be that, like, it's just going to be another Trek too. You know, it's just going to be a bunch of stars and a bunch of, Oh, I know that Snoop Dogg because it's it's Snoop Dogg, you
0: know. I'm sure there'll be he'll be like some random pot smoking uh, snail or some kind of reference to the fact that he is on some kind of drug. I'm sure. I mean, it sure, it won't like outright say it since it's supposed to be a kid's movie, but there'll be some kind of hint, hint adult well, I reference. Would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't
1: to... put it past DreamWorks. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm just not excited for this film for that reason. It's just, I don't know. It's just going to be one of those, uh, you know, shove as many stars as you can into the film, and and voila. But, uh, you know, uh, don't count your chickens before they hatch, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll be good.
0: Maybe it'll be the, the best animated movie next summer, but probably not. Uh, and then, the the last one that's coming out next summer is the Phineas and Ferb movie that's coming out in theaters. And I'm excited for this, is because it's kind of in the tradition of um, uh, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where Phineas and Ferb are essentially gonna create. I don't know if have you, do you guys watch the series at all? I, I know that Matt doesn't, and he should. I do
3: not. Yeah, man, I'm a oh, I'm a sorry. I'm a Perry fanatic.
0: All right. At least one good person is on this podcast right now who watches Phineas and Ferb. Uh, that would be me. <laughs> oh. Everybody needs to watch it. It's an awesome show. I
1: cable. On. Now hold on. How, didn't they it's
0: on. It's a, on Netflix Instant. Didn't they
1: already oh, make okay. a movie no about excuse. Phineas and Ferb?
0: What'd you say? Didn't they already make the movie? Well, they did Phineas and Ferb across the second dimension, which was like a straight-to-DVD uh, film. But this one's actually going to be a theatrical film that they're releasing like in theaters next year. And what happens with it is that Phineas and Ferb create another invention that transports them from their worlds to ours. But they'll still be animated, but everything else will be live action. So it'll be—I think it'll be kind of cool and interesting to see like how that kind of has progressed from when who from Roger Rabbit came out and see like their interactions with like, cause, do you guys remember the, the Rocky and Bowwinkle movie where they kind of did the same thing?
1: I try not to.
0: <laughs> Although though, will finish the will still be uh, the 2d hand-drawn animation. They won't be CG like Rocky and Bowwinkle became when they came to <laughs> our world. <laughs> and then for some reason, the, the human characters in the world became actual humans here and weren't animated. But that's a different movie. But yeah, I i don't know. I'm looking forward to this because originally I'd heard at some point like everything was going to be live action and then like they were going to have Jim Carrey be Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And I don't think that's how it's going to be anymore. It's just going to be... That's all I know about the film at this point is that Phineas and Ferb will be animated but in our world. So I'm excited for it just because I like Phineas and Ferb.
1: Do you guys remember on Nickelodeon when they did the crossover uh, TV special between Jimmy Neutron and the Fairly Oddparents? Oh, yeah. They made a Jimmy uh, 2D, and they transformed a... It's Timmy, Timmy and... Turner. Yeah, Timmy into yeah. the CG animation. Into CG, and Timmy looks so weird. Oh, yeah. Anyway, this will be cool, I guess. I mean, it just sounds kind of like a Rocky Bullwinkle Smurfs kind of gag to me, but um, I like Phineas and Ferb, so... Yeah.
0: Well, I think like it's going to be like a half-and-half half where some of the film takes place in the animated world, and then the other half takes place in ours, so...
1: What about Perry the Platypus? Because that's what all the fans are asking right now. Is he going to be like
0: CG or is he going to be two D? Is he going to come with them? I don't know. I mean, I mean that'd be cool if if he ended. That'd be awesome if like he did show up in our world, but he was just like a regular platypus that was teal wearing like a fedora.
3: I still think Monsters Inc. is going to be the best, or Monsters University is going to be the best of the year for next year.
0: Yeah, definitely Monsters University. I think is going to be the the best movie of next summer if not the best of the year all right guys so that's that's our show for today i want to thank the rotoscopers mason smith morgan stradling and chelsea mm. I say, robson i said robson well, we'll, <add> at, that. <laughs> well uh, at least chelsea
3: i robson for like her entire life and then suddenly her family decided to change it like two years ago to robson so
0: well, at least i got it in context with with your show of, of screwing yeah, it yes. up uh, <laughs> but don't, don't forget, you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Mark Vibbert, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T.
2: I'm at QuestPack, Q-U-E-S-T-P-A-C-T.
0: Or you can follow the show at Animated Podcast. And then where can we find all, all of you guys on Twitter and the internets?
3: So the Rotoscopers, you can find us at therotoscopers.com. You can also find us on Twitter at therotoscopers. Uh, Tumblr, Facebook, just type in the Rotoscopers in any of those places and you'll find us. You can find me, Morgan Stradling, at Morgan Stradling on Twitter. Uh, Chelsea Robson, you can find her at Chelsea Robson on Twitter. This is very, very easy. There's a trend here. <laughs> uh, we we got our names before someone else did. so. And then Mason?
1: Oh, I've got a blog. Thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com
0: And then you can feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com or visit our site uh animationfascination.wordpress.com we've been sprucing it up so it looks a little bit nicer than it used to now yes
3: it's very nice thank you uh
0: <laughs> and you can you can also like us on facebook just by searching for animation fascination i've spruced that up a little bit too and we also have an instagram fiend f- theme feed as as do the rotoscopers uh we made them the same day rotoscopers made their first and then i copied the idea and made ours uh,
3: hey, it's okay. I mean, everyone can use social media nowadays, yeah. so we follow each other. Yeah. It's very good. Uh, you, However, can fu- you, you post yeah, right. a lot more because I don't have an iPhone. I have a ghetto phone that I have to email the pictures to myself, and then on my iPod, I can post them to Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So oh, it's man. a big hassle to actually get pictures on there. So yes, Animation Fascinations, they, they have them up all the time, and mine's like once a week, so <laughs> we're working on that. Well,
0: yeah, you guys have some cool stuff from when you went to Destination D, which is... Was- it was cool yeah, following that
3: fun.
0: Uh, yeah you can follow us on there at animation fascination and you follow them at the rotoscopers so for I'm Mark Vivert for myself Matt Quest and our guests the rotoscopers Mason Morgan and Chelsea thank you for listening and make sure to tune in again next time guys thanks Woo-hoo.
1: summer is running through the sprinklers in your t-shirt shoes and jeans rolling Rassy Hill, yeah,
2: that's what summer means to me, it's true.
1: There's so much more to do The days are longer, the nights are shorter, the sun is shining. This notice
3: they warm warmer
1: Summer,
2: every single moment is worth its weight to gold Um, the oh, Arthur Christmas. The you got you, uh, Arthur Christmas. You watch Arthur Christmas. What was it again?
0: Arthur Christmas? You didn't see it,
2: right, Mark?
3: Uh, I said you're our only hope. It was a Star Wars reference, but it was kind of botched, so I'm sorry. Oh,
1: um, okay, cool. Don't worry. Sith Lords are my speciality. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you have Darth Biber here. Okay, cool. See you guys.
1: Right. See you. Thank you.